Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Tracy Ray from the employment law firm of Baron Lehman. Tracy says that OPB sponsorship is a great way to support the community and connect with Baron Liebman's clients. From the Gert Boyle studio at OPB, this is Think Out Loud. I'm Dave Miller. As we just heard, the legislative walkout by Senate Republicans has meant that a lot of bills could die. But the fate of one proposal was unclear even before the partisan boycott. It would allow parent caregivers of severely disabled children to continue to be paid for their work. The nationwide program began during the pandemic, but it ended last month. Advocates say the program dramatically lowered health care costs, reduced the number of hospitalizations, and improved families' quality of life. Parents rallied last week at the Oregon Capitol in an effort to call attention to what they say is an emergency. Callie Ross is one of those parents. She cares for her 8-year-old son who has severe disabilities, and she joins us now. Welcome to Think Out Loud. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Can you give us a sense for your son's needs? You know, what an average day and night are like. Of course. So my son, um, he is ventilator dependent and oxygen dependent. He is diagnosed with end stage heart and lung disease. So he is very medically fragile. Um, prior to that diagnosis, he did have a cardiac arrest that lasted 33 minutes, which caused an anoxic brain injury. Um, similar to cerebral palsy, basically cerebral palsy, but since it didn't happen at a super young age, he was five, um, they don't di- they not they diagnose it as an anoxic brain injury. But he is non-mobile, non-verbal, and requires 24-7 hour care. In fact, the state of Oregon has him um, they have deemed him needing five hundred and fifty-four hours of attendant or nursing care a month, at which point right now we we don't have any of those hours currently filled. Wait, oh, I, I can't do the math in my head quickly, but that's that's most of the day, right? Yes, I think it's 16 hours a day. It's the max that Oregon will allow. They they still feel that a parent needs to be a parent at least eight hours a day. And so. none of those are currently filled? None of those hours are currently filled by outside help. My mom is here. Um, she She signed on as a DSP to help us out, and we can help her out a little bit. But, you know, she's not fully trained in everything. And um, I, I'm still there with them 24 seven. It's she helps out with when I like need a nap or a shower, but um, she isn't able to take care of him on her own. Um, we've zoomed ahead to the present, but I, I want to just get <laughs> more of the context here. How sure. did you manage care for your son before the pandemic and, and before that sort of th- that public health emergency change in terms of, of who could be paid to care for him? What was like? Be- what was life like before the pandemic? So my situation is a little bit different because my son's cardiac arrest happened in January of 2020 at the very beginning of the pandemic. However, before that, he still had his tracheostomy. He still needed his vent at night. Um, my husband was working two jobs. We had a nurse, and we we hope to have this nurse again. She is just out on prolonged leave due to several surgeries she had to have. But um, yeah, he, he. I just, I don't know. I don't think I've slept in eight years. <laughs> so that's kind of where we are. I just, I can't really tell you what life is like because it's been such a blur of no sleep, constant financial stress, not being able to afford the very basic necessities for my son. Um, you know, it's, it's been difficult, and I am probably one of the privileged 
few that does have a spouse and that does have a secondary income from my spouse. And, you know, we, we struggle, but we are not struggling like other families we're seeing right now who are facing homelessness and institutionalization, having to move out of state. What did change for you under the, the then new rules of the pandemic? So like I said, my son um, is allowed 554 hours a month of nursing or attendant care. And I was allowed to sign up to be his attendant or his uh, DSP, direct support personnel. So in that time, my husband ended up working only one job, which cut his hours almost in half. He went from about 90 hours a week to 50 hours a week. Um, He was able to provide respite. He was able to give me some time in between, you know, when he was working to sleep and to eat and to shower and to just take a moment to myself. Um, I was able to go to Target for the first time in years alone. So, um, it was, I mean, it was a big deal in that sense, but it was a bigger deal in what it provided for my son. We were able to afford specialized therapies. We were able to re- afford a ridiculously expensive potty chair. We were able to start putting money aside for a wheelchair accessible vehicle, which costs thousands upon thousands of dollars to be able to get him out into the community more. I mean, it's, it was truly life changing for him as well. And well, we've had some incredible caregivers. We've also had some not so incredible caregivers. For the first time, my son was having these long periods outside of the hospital. He wasn't, their mistakes were not being made. Constant little errors about medications. And um, he re- sometimes he stops breathing. And we've had nurses bag him incorrectly, shooting his CO2 up and just putting us into a horrible emergency situation. We've had nurses that you know, have given him too much sugar when he has a hypoglycemic low that have pushed his blood sugars up into the 600s. It's it, it's human error, but it doesn't happen when you're his parents and you know everything there is to know about him. Hmm. If I oh, understand correctly, uh, in, in a sense, it seems that, that this, that being able to actually be paid as a parent, it meant that you could be paid for work that you were doing Anyway, you, you were. It, it's not like you um, you then started taking care of your son. It, it meant that you could finally be paid for this near constant work, um, but you also then had you know more freedom as a family for your husband to work less and for and you as a family to have slightly more money where you could then provide him better care and and better services. It provided my son with a quality of life, and in the same sense, it provided my family with a quality of life. I think one um, one of the politicians I spoke to that was in favor of this told me once that parents are the most exploited workforce. We are we are willing to do this work for free. This above and beyond natural parenting cares. We will definitely do it for our children, especially in a state like Oregon where you do not have institutionalizations and you do not have appropriate foster care beds. We want our children to have the best quality of life. So we're here. Oftentimes, there's been days where I haven't slept in three days just to make sure that my son has quality care that he is taken care of and that he is comfortable and happy and loved and safe and sound. As you noted, the state of Oregon has authorized your son to get 554 hours of care a week. And you said right now that there's a month. 
Sorry, sorry, a month. And you said that right now that nobody is actually um, signed up for that. Why is it that you haven't been able to find somebody to provide this care, that the money is there? So that's what we hear. Um, if suddenly the workforce existed, the state would still have to pay for these hours. But the workforce does not exist. Home health care nurses uh, their pay is half of what you will see in a hospital setting. You have direct support workers who are underpaid as well. Oftentimes, they are not up to the task. I, you know, you. The only qualification is you have to be to be a DSP is you have to be 18 years or older and not a felon or the parents. Those are the only qualifications. And meaning, you know, the only are- people who who can't be hired for this are are people who have criminal records and parents. Felonies. Criminal records are fine, but felonies are okay, not. Speci- okay, specifically <laughs> felonies. Yes, it's ridiculous. It's honestly, it blows my mind. And as soon as our children turn 18, then parents are then allowed to be the caregiver. How has that prohibition been explained to you? The, the current prohibition on paying parents uh, to care for their for their children who are who are under 18? I mean, there's two kind of prongs to this issue, and one is uh, self-advocates. have Some have rallied against this. Some have been very, very for this, but there is a concern about self-actualization, self-determination when the child turns 18. If their parents are receiving money, will they allow that child to go? And our answer is, well, if you're a good parent, you will be encouraging independence all along. Also, the bill that's currently being proposed is not for children that are likely to be able to have that kind of self-actualization, self-determination. And I also want to say that, you know, I have a 12-year-old typical child as well who does not have self-determination. He still has to do the dishes and pick up dog poop. And he's still, you know, he is under my, my not control, but my voice. You know, he listens to what I have to say and he has to do it because he's 12. <laughs> If you're just tuning in, we're talking right now about a pandemic-era provision that ended last month. It allowed parent caregivers of severely disabled children to be paid for their work. Callie Ross is our guest. She is one of the Oregon parents who took advantage of this program. What were the prospects for a bill to extend this program before the Republican walkout in the Senate uh, six weeks ago? Um. Well, ironically, it was the Republicans that first put forth the bill that we really, really were hoping for. It was more inclusive. It provided for much, many more children. Um, Senate Bill 646, it did not make it through committee. What did end up going through committee was a committee bill, a human services committee bill, Senate Bill 91. And frankly, we had all thought that this was a shoe-in. It had a very low budget. Um, So it's likely to have a lot of restrictions on whole bunch of things. It's not an ideal bill by any means, but it was a foot in the door bill and and we thought it would go in for sure. But unfortunately, last week it was not introduced to the subcommittee on ways and means. So it had been dead in the water and we were looking at a budgetary note as a last ditch effort. A budgetary note. So so a way to get some more money in it in a more of a roundabout way. Basically, it's like a bookmark that um, would then allow the agency to apply for the waiver that would then apply for the program. But there's no guarantee that the agency would do it. It's just an opening. And then we would have to go to short session in February to actually get it funded. Can you give us a sense for 
the kinds of conversations that you have when you go to the Capitol to try to lobby for this provision? You know, I'm kind of there every day now, and this is something I've been working passionately on for over a year. So I've made some connections, some networking with many members in the Capitol. And the overall sense is that absolutely this needs to be done. This is a no-brainer. It's good for families. It's good for the state. So we were surprised when um, it didn't make it to committee. And we, we heard some negativity, especially from Rep. Sanchez, that it was a budget issue and that the state just didn't want to pay parents um, for these hours. That It just wasn't that. But I think things have kind of changed in our rally, I hope, made a difference. I think it makes a difference when people see these children and see what's going on with them. So, um, Because when you say that you've, you spend every day in Salem, you go with your son and, and other parents go with their children? Yeah. Well, I, I am always there with my son, mainly because another bill, Senate Bill 819, <laughs> didn't pass, which would have encouraged schools to not um, have shortened school days without parent consent. And unfortunately, that one got stuck as well. And now my son doesn't have anybody there's no nurse for the school either. So he's not in school at the moment. Um, so he's able to accompany me to the Capitol pretty much every day to put pressure on legislators for this bill and for Senate Bill 819. Were you able to get any firm commitments from lawmakers for the the budget note version of resuscitating this provision? I mean, um <laughs> I don't think I've ever had a firm commitment from a legislator, hmm. but today uh, I, I attended the Ways and Means Committee meeting and Senator Steiner had come over and talked to me and said she couldn't make any promises, but there had been a lot of talk this weekend and it seems like Senate Bill 91 might have some life again. Um, Senator gelser Bluen, who was the drafter behind the committee bill of Senate Bill 91, also is feeling more optimistic that this bill might see the light of day or if not a budgetary note might still make it through the process so last week i would have said we are not very hopeful for anything to change but today i am feeling cautiously optimistic hmm. what do you think what are you most hoping for if if some version of this does pass what's what's next for you and your family in terms of your wish list I mean, ideally, we would be able to figure out gap funding for the families that were pushed off a fiscal cliff on May 11th when the public health emergency ended because this bill, even if it does pass, will not be enacted until um, July. And I mean, it, it, it needs it's not a yesterday kind of thing. It's a two weeks ago that this needed to happen, the three weeks ago that this needed to happen. Families are just suffering. Um, so I think that would be my number one thing. And I'd love to see a higher budget on this bill so that it can be inclusive to more children. I do not think it's going to meet the needs of the population that it truly has to serve. And I would love to see more work go into increasing and building up the workforce because while parents are here and we want to do this, we do, many of us still need support. Callie Ross, thanks very much. Thank you.
Kelly Ross is a mother mother of a medically fragile eight-year-old son. Uh, they were in Salem last week. They often are in Salem, lobbying lawmakers to bring back um, a now-ended program that let parent caregivers of severely disabled children be paid for their work.